listening to the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Rafika, we are blessed to have another opportunity to come before you and bring a dynamic show. So thank you all for giving us your time. We have a wonderful show today, Gang Girl, A Mother's Journey to Save Her Daughter, very heart, a heartfelt story, and with a lot of things that we can discuss and uh, jewels that we can use to improve our lives. Now, I'm looking for my co-host. She may have dropped off line, and maybe she'll be on in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> in the interim, Well, um, you just I have like... to have a little faith, Brother James. <laughs> oh, we have lots of faith. We have lots of faith. So how are you, Rafika? How's things going? Oh, listen, you know, uh, everything is good tonight. Everything is good tonight. I've been giving so much thought to our topic tonight. Um, I, I'm very anxious to get started. Mm-hmm. Just as I was getting ready to give a wonderful introduction, everything just shut down. But that's just technology, and we know how it goes. So we are here. But you, Welcome you can still to the do Keys the introduction. 107. Welcome. <laughs> no, I'm good. Welcome to the Keys 107. Welcome to the Keys 107. So happy that you've taken a moment of your time to spend with us. We know that we that there is so much more that you can be doing with your time, but when you take a moment and tune into the Keys 107, you're here because you want to keep some special part of those seven principles, those seven keys of life, the spiritual, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the financial, the art, science, entertainment, and the social key with an emphasis on kindness. So we're here to open doors to endless possibilities. I'm your host, Rafika. Brother James, are you there? And this is Brother James. We are definitely here. I didn't know you was going to drop a few octaves on me, but... um, (laughs) But wait, you know what I always say when Brother James is in the house, expect something wonderful to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. The pets are here. I just want to let let our Keys family know that that our, uh, our pets are in rare form today. The cat is walking around the keyboard, and I'm trying to keep her little furry paws off. So she doesn't shut me down again. Mm. So are you going to do a little intro for our very special guest, Miss um, Valerie um, Goodlow? Um, want to tell a little bit about her and let's bring her in because I'm excited to have this conversation. Well, Valerie is a uh, entrepreneur, film producer, and director, but she has a very strong, intriguing, and exciting background as a photographer in her journey as a photographer, seeing the lens through her eyes has taken her through such um, prestigious, I don't want to say gigs, but for lack of a better word right now, um, with uh, on the campaign trail with our illustrious President Barack Obama. And I, I know that when we open with Valerie, when we bring Valerie in, 
she has just got to talk to us and tell us what that experience was like. And she's also uh, photographed several photographer uh, uh, celebrities, and she's going to come in and tell us a little more about each and every one of those. But, James, before we bring in Valerie, let's just go to the healthy tip of the day. Medea Allen has got a very interesting healthy tip for us today. So are you ready? Okay, let's go to the healthy tip. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Zookeys107.com presents the healthy tip of the day. We're going the healthy to... tip of the day is to eat healthy fats. Consuming healthy fats every day is important for the balance of the nervous system, brain health, as well as the metabolism of sugars. Whether you eat fat from an animal or a plant, it's best to have fats that are unrefined or minimally processed and free of chemicals. There are so many fats to choose from, so explore using different ones at the appropriate temperatures because they are each unique to the heat they can withstand. Consuming healthy fats every day will not only enhance the flavor of your food, but will also assist the body with maintaining a healthy weight. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by Organic Soul Chef Medea Allen. For more healthy lifestyle tips, visit me online at OrganicSoulChef.com. Now, now. For fashion that bring out the best in you, go to Moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products. Pink Himalayan sea salt, women tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, art, and organite. Visit us on the web at moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107.com. The Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. Well, James, you know, I wanted to announce to our Keys family that we're going to be debuting that Ernie J. Smith single we've been talking about, uh, that South African 
jazz musician that we play a lot of his music. He normally accompanies Medea Allen on the healthy tip of the day. But we also like to just send our gratitude and thank you, Ernie J. Smith, for allowing us to uh, play his wonderful music throughout our show. So let's uh, roll our sleeves up and, and just get ready. Absolutely. Are you ready, Jay? Yeah, I am so ready. Um, uh, coming on our show today is a wonderful lady by the name of Valerie Goodlow. Valerie, as my wife just spoke about, is a producer and director and the founder of Window, which is a organization that she uh, put together that helps win- women um, in their journey in terms of um, dealing with all the things in society that holds women's back. She's opening up doors to uh, endless possibilities for these women, and we want to thank you, um, Valerie, for coming on our show today. How are you today, Valerie? I'm I'm doing fine, fine as I can be on a Thursday evening. That's right, that's right. You know, we always say that every day above ground is a blessed day, so we're blessed to have you on our show today. Thank you, and I'm blessed to be here, blessed to be here. Okay. I know that we really want to, like my wife says here, roll up our sleeves and get right into the meat of this conversation. But I want you to first... Give us a little bit of background on yourself, um, what you have been doing in these um, last pa- uh, couple of uh, past years, and um, where you want to go in terms of your career as a photographer and now uh, a, a, a budding film producer and director. <laughs> you know, it just seems like uh, as as you get older and life goes on that you are about ready to settle in and just, uh, you know, maybe just watch TV for the rest of your life. But, you know, as life goes, it doesn't seem like, it seems like that each day brings a new promise and it brings a new excitement on things that you could do. And I always say that uh, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Um, <laughs> I haven't finished <laughs> I haven't finished growing yet. Uh, there's a, there's a, still a lot of things that I do want to do and accomplish in my next uh, at least 45 years left. And, um, you know, right now I'm trying to begin to do those things. And uh, I started in the photography. I'll say in the le- in the later half of my life, I was 50 when I became a photographer. I had worked at the post office for 23 years, and at that time I just made a decision I didn't want to do that any longer and that I wanted to be a photographer. So I went to school for three years. I quit my job as a photographer, I mean as a, a mailman, and um, became a photographer. Okay. And I think because I started, I started kind of late in life. Uh, I had to put a 25-year career, like in about a two-year span. So what may have taken another photographer 25 years to attain or to achieve, I, I kind of put myself into a fast-forward mode, and I did quite a bit of accomplishment in mm. uh, just a relatively short period of time. So mm. uh, you know, God has truly uh, blessed me. For real. So, um, as a photographer, I uh, went to school for a couple of years, well, three years, and then I worked for a newspaper. Uh, then I uh, became the first female staff photographer for Johnson Publishing, Jet Navy Magazine. And mm. with that magazine, that gave me the opportunity to uh, travel, uh, become a world traveler, really. I went to Africa with uh, President Clinton. Uh, I traveled a year with Barack, uh, President Barack Obama while he was campaigning for president in the 2008 campaign. 
and I was able, and the only, I'll say, African-American press photographer uh, that really did, the, you know, that full time of traveling with him. So, so you were blazing crown there. You, you, you were making it happen, even the, you, even in getting a late start at this career path, you are yeah. already making things happen. You're trying, yeah. Right. Well, so when you, you, you decided that you were going to go um, into the photography field, what was your vision? Did you see yourself with a John Publications on the road with the president? No, no. In fact, I didn't. I, I don't know if you know who Ansel Adams is. He's a oh yes. Uh, uh, yeah, photographer from way, I think, probably in the turn of the, 19th, the 20th century. Uh, and he was a black and white mm-hmm. uh, photographer that did black and white, and he did scene, scenic yes. uh, views. And that's what I had envisioned myself in doing. Uh, but I also had in the back of my mind I wanted to be a photojournalist. Uh, and so I took an internship at a local newspaper in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Sentinel. And... It kind of like changed my course. I ran into a real famous photographer accidentally, not accidentally, I believe it was divine purpose, but uh, his name was Bill Jones. I don't know if you know, ever heard of him, but he's one of the first uh, African-American photographers of the stars. Out mm-hmm. here he's very famous. He's probably famous in photography world um, all over the country. And he kind of opened the doors for me, and uh, he became my mentor and he took me through doors that uh, I couldn't have went through by myself. Mm. And so he introduced me to uh, uh, Johnson Publishing, Jet Ebony Magazine. I was starting to shoot the photos of the week. For him, he had uh, he had gotten into a bad accident uh, early on, and he, could, he, he couldn't really take pictures as well as he could in his earlier days. So there would be times that I would take uh, the pictures pictures at an event and I would give it to him to put in the magazine, uh, you know, for the week's best photo. And then there was a time I just decided I was going to put my own name to my own photos, and they called me up, and uh, I, I became a part of the Johnson Publishing family in 2003 and became staff 2005. So I didn't expect any of these things. You know, it was all God's plan. Mm. So... Uh, that's how that started. And so, like I said, I've I'm also uh, um, been to Africa. I didn't go to Africa until 2007, uh, and I've been there maybe 10, 12 times uh, oh. as a documentary photographer for uh, the Church of God in Christ, uh, Save Africa's Children. Uh, there was an organization that I would document the work that that organization did in Africa. So I've what, been there. What part of Japan. Africa was what, what part, part of Africa? Africa was that? Well, I went to uh, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, South Africa, um, Zambia, uh, Kenya. Mm. I've been to many, many different places. Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know, um, I know that it enriched your life because... You know, most of us who are African-American don't get an opportunity to travel overseas back to the motherland and really experience the culture, the people. Um, we never get experienced the environment from which we came. And right. for you, 
that must have been um, like uh, I don't know. You tell me what that felt, what it, what it felt like for you. Well, um, I think really my most profound time was when I went my first trip to Africa, and we went to Malawi. And um, I'm getting chills right now. Uh, we uh, were in the helicopter, uh, an Air Force, I don't know what kind, you know, a military helicopter, and we came down uh, with uh, President Clinton. And um, what was so amazing about it was that I wouldn't say a mile, but close to a mile on both sides of the road, there were uh, people, mothers, children, fathers, brothers, sons, grandmothers, all waiting patiently uh, for us to arrive. They had been there probably for hours, lined up. And one of the things that amazed me most, and, and I've been to Africa, like I said, many times, I've never, not one time, ever seen an African baby cry. Mm. Um, even waiting with their mothers and, uh, you know, not having access to the bathroom, not able to run around and, uh, you know, just act crazy. They were all mm-hmm. just there patiently waiting with their parents, whether they were on their back or in front of them, just waiting for us to come. And just the greeting that we got, um was just pretty amazing. And mm. you look at how your life situation is and you complain about, you know, you only got 10 pair of jeans and, you know, your car is only a 2013 and uh, you see people that are walking five kilometers and they have baskets with them on their heads and no underwear, tatered clothes, no shoes, feet that look like they've worn them for hundreds of years, and uh, they're not complaining. They're just smiling and just so happy and gracious and, you know, just just beautiful. Loving, it was just uh, probably the most beautiful thing that you could ever imagine. And then you have to come back home to the beautiful U.S. <laughs> of A and in sunny Southern California, Tell yeah, us a little so bit about segueing well, back know, home now. I don't. Uh, coming back home? Well, you yeah. know, coming back home is always. I was talking about this to my husband the other day. I was watching, uh, they have a special on TV about Nina Simone, and I was watching that, and there were some other things that I was watching that some other films that have come on, like the I think it's called Cartel Land or something, where they were showing these different countries, third world countries, second world countries. And I was saying, I was saying to him that no matter how much I love the places that I've been, I would just like to visit there. I think that you know my home is here, and mm-hmm. uh, even though there's things that I don't like about this country, uh, there's so many things in other countries that you don't have, and the corruption that's there that you almost say, well, you know which is the lesser of two evils, yeah, you know, because yeah. you go into these other countries and um, their, their dictatorships, the, you know, the, uh, in, in, in Africa, all you see is Chinese, uh, Chinese mm-hmm. sign. Chinese own almost everything. And so you don't even see, and, and when you go there, you'll see 
maybe a beautiful home and you'll go in South Africa and then you'll go into uh, the townships where they have illegal water, uh, no electricity, uh, one toilet for every 10,000 people, uh, oh. and you see these things and, you know, and all the time there you know that you can't drink the water, you know, so you do, uh, you, you love the visit, uh, but you also lo- I also love coming home. That's right. That's right. Wow. Wow. Well, um, talk to us now about what it is that you've been doing in terms of uh, your, your founding the Windows. Uh, you know, and tell us what that is, and tell a, a listening audience a little bit background about how you came to bring that into existence. Uh, well, in uh, I'll say about two thousand. Uh, 2000, maybe six or maybe five or six, maybe six or seven. Um, I had I had been a photographer for a minute, and I had started getting interested in maybe doing a film, uh, a documentary. I, my my style is more documentary style. I'm not a narrative filmmaker. I don't think maybe I could be, but I'm more into the documentary thing. And um, okay. I, I would talk. I was talking to another filmmaker. Uh, Bill Duke about doing a film, uh, not necessarily on girls and gangs, but about girls. I just uh, saw through some of the things that I was going through with my daughters that uh, girls were kind of like an underserved group of people when it came to services and availabilities. And so I said, well, let me do a documentary on girls. It was initially going to be called Lost Girls, and it was going to be about girls in different um, stations of life. Some of them may have been um, in the in the sex trafficking life, some of them may have been, uh, you know, just low self-esteem. There might have been gang members. And I just wanted to do an array of different girls. Uh, but it, uh, talking to um, Bill Duke and to some other people, uh, it narrowed down to doing um, a film on girls and gangs. Uh, they had heard a little bit about my story about my daughter initially um, getting into the world of gangs. And so uh, we said, okay, we'll do a, a, a film on girls and gangs. And then uh, they came to me and said, well, Valerie, why don't we just do your story and and do it about you and your daughter and your family? You know, and initially I didn't really want to open up my house and my home and my family. And then my daughter was really way off into the gang life at that particular time. She was also in foster care. Uh, and I really didn't want to be... Um, maybe looking as if I wanted to capitalize on my daughter uh, being in gangs. But it had got to the point that, you know, someone like myself who had may, had been in gangs in, her, in my early life, who had run away, who was a ward of the court, who um, did things in her past life, I just saw my daughter going into that same direction. But to, in today's world, it's much more dangerous uh, kids can go out there and may not ever come back. And so I was worried about that, so I decided to uh, go along with what they said, and we uh doing the film about our family and my daughter. Mm. And then out of that, um, while we were making the film, we have a nonprofit organization. It was called ISRA at the time. It was a, a nonprofit that started in 1998, and what we did, we serviced, served people who were in uh, mostly in the federal uh, penitentiary system, uh, in immigration system, and we would bring them Qurans, 
and um, overgarments and things that they needed for prayer uh, and, you know, and to help them prepare to come home. That was our initial goal. Mm-hmm. And then it just changed. Uh, we were, me and my husband were driving one day, and uh, some kind of way we said women in need of discovering her worth, and that was WINDOW, which was mm-hmm. a good acronym. And Say it once just, again. Uh, they can hear it. Window. Women, Wind. A window. In, that's women in need of discovering own worth. So we decided at that particular time that there weren't very many nonprofit organizations that dealt specifically only with women and girls. They had mm-hmm. some, you know, like they have girls in gangs. Uh, they have a couple of other ones. But they most most programs that we saw were maybe programs that were both for boys and girls or a program that might have been open to girls once they saw the need for girls. So what we wanted to do was have a program that dealt specifically with women and girls only and um, not to take away from our males and our boys, uh, but I think that the girls have been really underserved when it comes to their needs and their plight and the things that we go through as women and girls. And uh, so that's how we uh, started uh, Window. Well, well, that's a beautiful thing because I was going to ask the question, why did you um, move in terms of with all the attention going with the boys? And it seems like the boys are, are the only ones in gangs because of what the publicity they have gotten over the years. But yet I believe you had a personal situation where you realize that there are women in gangs um, and, and, and growing numbers, and they're doing right. pretty, pretty, pretty much the same things that the boys are doing. So, yeah. talk to us about the, the 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 upbringing of your daughter and the transitional period that you began to understand that there were some issues and some some something moving in her that was taking her into this new lifestyle um see one of the things that sometimes we miss is we miss ourselves we think uh that because we 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 live in a middle class income uh you mm. know area uh we have you know at that particular time both my girls um because i have an older set of kids as well uh but this, mm-hmm. this is my younger set but uh they were in private school and they had violin lessons and we ate dinner at the table and all the things that you um, kind of would think that we had together in our household uh, that would probably be a deterrent, you know, for our girls not being successful. Uh, But one of the things that we don't look at as we look at those external things, we don't look at the internal things uh, like divorce. Me and and their father had divorced uh, when they were young. It was very difficult for them to go between houses. We had two different uh, rules and ways that we did things. So adjusting every week from one house to the next was real difficult for them. Uh, It's also difficult for a kid to accept the fact that there may be another parent in their life, uh, Mm -hmm. even though they may like them and they may care for them. They're conflicted because they don't want to show disloyalty to the other parent. Uh, then they also have to begin to accept the stepsisters and the stepbrothers, and if the mother breaks up two or three times, then here she's getting used to one parent, now she got to get used to another. You know, so 
we don't see those things as as things that are are putting our kids into a trench um, that they can't get out of. And mm. uh, that's what was happening with our household. Me and my husband had a, have a real good relationship. He had a good relationship with the kids, but me and their father uh, were at each other's throat all the time. Uh, we were throwing verbal things at each other. Uh, our kids had to uh, pick between the both of us. If I said red, he said blue. If I said blue, he said red. And we just never uh, came together for the betterment of our kids. And um, it it wasn't until he saw the film and he recognized the fact, and I recognized the fact that it still is not too late to change the direction of our kids, uh, that we would have to come together um in a solid effort to make sure our girls um, became sec- successful or stopped, you know, being harmed by us. So, mm. um, so sometimes you, you, we don't see that as parents, but that those are a lot of times the things that drive our kids into the streets. And we absolutely. think that they make choices, but they don't think it's choices. They feel that this is what they have to do. Mm. And so... You know, we see our kids sometimes as perpetrators. We've made them victims. We've made right. them victims. Right. So we were talking a little. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. We were we were we were going to outline some maybe seven points that a parent can can look at their child and and identify if their child is involved in gang life. And I don't know if you were going in that direction. Just now, Valerie, in, in what you just said uh-huh. about the um, the home life and right. the um, the scenario that you and your husband, um, you know, unconsciously set up, right? Is that is that definitely is that exactly. is that a, a entrance into that, well, well, that I think, life? I think that I, yeah, in fact, it's an entrance into any life uh, that that that's not a whole life, and um, in our in our. Uh, group of people or our people we may pick gangs uh as the life that we pick or it may be in the in the in the life of sex trafficking or prostitution or it may be in the life of of uh being a um some other type of a criminal or you know maybe we just um use drugs but the the life that we have in our homes and the things that we project to our kids is is really what puts our kids out there. And a lot of times it's like maybe a year or two before you even recognize that your kid is in trouble. And especially mm-hmm. with a girl, because girls are um, multitaskers. We can hide things a lot longer than the boys. And uh, a lot of times, by the time we see physical things, uh, you know, like the the way they dress, the ditch in the school and all that, they've been in the life for for a couple of years. So sometimes the signs aren't really visible at first, and that's because we're so busy. Uh, I think as parents looking at other things, we're not really looking at the at taking care of our kids in the right way. And I don't think we do it on purpose. You know, I don't think we set out to uh, have our kids have a miserable life, uh, but we are mainly the culprits of what's going on in our household. You know, mm-hmm. what we have to do is if we want to change the direction of our kids on the outside, we have to change what's going on in our homes on the inside. But mm-hmm. there are probably several things that you could kind of look at and see um, 
that your kid is doing um, that may, you might say, well, maybe they're in gangs? Mm. Well, I know that we want to pinpoint some of those particular signs, but beyond the home and the, mm-hmm. the dynamics between the parents, and, you know, we know the emotions that uh, our children absorb, especially the female child, what are some of the other major things that that you believe that makes girls, quote-unquote, go bad? Um, I think I think the things that make our girls make not right choices is again what I really think is really more about what they can get out on the street in the streets that they're not getting at home. If you see the film Gang Girl, um, you'll you every one of the girls is asked, well, why did you? make this choice, why are you in gangs? And some of them say, well, it's because this is my family. That's what I'm a part of. Other ones will say because they were sexually molested, uh, their mother was on drugs. Uh, another one will say their parents didn't pay any attention to them. So most of the times when girls make decisions to go outside to do things, there's something not in that house that needs to be there or there's something in that house that doesn't need to be there. Oh. And girls, uh, girls don't talk very much. You know, they're very closed-minded. So if you look at the statistics, and I'm not a real statistic-driven person. I think, um, you know, I, all I need to do is see one girl to know that we're in trouble. I don't, I don't need to say there's 967 girls out of 2,433. But mm-hmm. I know that even small statistics, three out of five girls are sexually molested by the time they're seven years old. You know, so you take that and you go into every household and you see a girl that's being molested by her stepfather or her father or her brother or um, she's seeing something on television that's having her, you know, go out in the playground and have oral sex with boys at seven years old. You know, something is something is going wrong in that house. Mm-hmm. Something is not right there. You know, so one of the things in regards to even to window, what we want to do is if you put a girl into a great program, uh, and they have a lot of great programs out there, if she's going back into the same environment, she's going back into the, those same conditions, the, the, the what she's got out of that program probably won't stick. Mm. So what we want to do with our program is bring the mother along with the daughter. Most of these mothers that have 14- and 15-year-old daughters are only 28, 29-year-olds year old, years old themselves. They, they're right. barely uh, out of the youth stage. Um, I'm, one of the, I'm, I'm an older parent, and I know myself, being a, a parent and having several different sets of kids, that we, we dropped the ball. We dropped the ball, and we made a decision. We wanted to be friends with our kids. Uh, we started doing things in front of our kids that we didn't used to do. Uh, we started stopped getting married and having a real family and thinking that we don't need a man. You know, so you mm. look in a lot of women's households and they they haven't had a man in that household ever, and so they have no idea. The girls have no idea how to cross their legs, how to act like a lady because there's no man, no father image there to show her how to do those things. So. Mm. Um, 
we always talk about how important it is for a boy to have a father, and I think it's twice as uh, relevant for a girl to have one. If she does not have a uh, a role model in, in regards to a father, she'll have no idea how to pick a right mate for her. Absolutely. You know, if she's watching... You know, if she's watching Atlanta Housewives or the Kardashians or or any of these um, shows that are really way out because they have the finances to do the things that they do, uh, Mm -hmm. and our our mothers are emulating those things without having the money and the funds to do it, you know, we're subjecting our girls to seeing things and doing things that, that, that they shouldn't be seeing and doing at such an early age. And like I said, I wasn't. So much. I'm Muslim, so you know, my girls. I had them cover and all that, um, but there was other things that was going on. So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, one thing. It's just an array of things that I believe stem from the household. Absolutely, but what happens is when they get outside the household, the peer pressure, not only the peer pressure, it's reinforced by the music and culture that's in our community that causes us and our young people to accept um, negative um, um, behaviors as the norm instead of positive behaviors. And so actually society today is really set up for young people to fail. They're at a deficit before they even leave their mother's womb. So we have to so hard to even give them a, 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 a even or playing field, you know, so that they can survive in this world. So we can see from hearing from your conversation about the things that you have had been doing with uh, with your children early on, the things that you were doing in a later life as far as your career path, that you set the example, a good example of what mom should be, and still, still. You had the heartbreaking um, events that took place in your life that you now know that you have to dig deeper to save your girl, as well as I heard in you heard in you before, save somebody else's girl, save some child children out there because the bottom right. line, it happened to anybody. Any of us can uh, experience what you and your family have experienced. So now let's talk about that experience now. Um, When you realize that your little girl was definitely engaging in gang activity, what was the sign (laughs) that brought you to that conclusion? Uh, she, um, She started dressing... Uh, more, well, really with colors. Uh, She was wearing, even before she was, I I had to put her in public school, but even before that when she was in a Muslim school, she was wearing uh, the colored rag scarves up under her hijab. Uh, She was wearing red belts on her clothes, Uh, you know, red shoes. Uh, She started writing uh, you know, BPS and stuff on her notebooks. I uh, started finding stories that she had written. Uh, she, when she went into public school, uh, things escalated. She was, uh, t- I mean, her, her respect level with teachers had really gotten really bad. Uh, there'd be times I'd go to pick her up from school and she would not 
be there at the fence, and I might see her coming from around another way. Uh, she would. Uh, um, uh, she was in a program that was called Upward Bound that we had all the kids in, and I would go there looking for her, and she would probably have had disappeared uh, maybe those two or three hours to do something else, and then I'd see her somewhere with a, a cap, a red cap on her head. So it was real visible signs. Uh, with her uh, that it, you know, that she, I started seeing uh, that she was uh, in gangs and she, she just started, um, you know, physically, uh, I'll say physically being uh, rebellious, um, Mm -hmm. not going to school, you know, ditching, getting in trouble. I was going up there every day picking up something red or finding something in the closet trying to throw it out. And, uh, would, you know, at that time I was trying to talk to her father about it and he didn't see it the way that I saw it. So um, there was no real gelling of the minds when it came to uh, what we were doing with the kids. And then uh, she was doing stuff on, they didn't have Facebook at that time, it was some other um, My- yeah, MySpace. She was going on MySpace uh, on comp- you know on the computers and stuff, and then she started running away, and you know things, you know. And I tried to get her into counseling. I took her to um, gang intervention program. A friend of mine who who runs a program and had her meet with the counselors and stuff like that. But it just because there was no real plan between me and her, their father, I think that that was the biggest uh, hole in us trying to change her direction. I think that if we had been a, a mighty force uh, and been on the same playing field and put the same energy directed in the same way, we might have been able to curtail it. And Did what you I begin say to too, question your ability to parent? Well, yeah, 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 I did because nothing I was doing was working. And um, and then, like I said, I, there's not, I was in a, I had an income at that time that was a decent income, but it wasn't um, uh, the Dr. Phil income where you could send your kid to a place that might work for, you know, $30,000 a month. Mm. Uh, and she, and because if you have any sort of an income, then you're not eligible for some of the um uh, outreach programs that are available to people that they have um, maybe AFDC. So I was kind of like stuck in a place that I could not afford to pay for a large outlandish program. So I was trying to find ways to get counseling for, and those things, they, they just weren't available. And what I wanted to say too is that I had other kids at the house. I didn't just have uh, her. I had a, a son uh, my stepson, who was doing really well in school, and I have had a daughter who was doing well in school, but they were, um, uh, I'll say, on the back burner because when you're having it, when you have a child that's right. in trouble, you're going to put your force and energy where you have to put it the most, and you always figure, well, the other kids got it together, you know, they're. You know, they're doing good in school. You know, my daughter, she was 16 when she graduated, so she was going into college, you know, just turning 17. And um, my my son, he was, uh, you know, 4.1 grade point average, and he went to, he got a master's and all that. 
But see, there's other things that they didn't get that I believe, especially with my daughter, suffered from because there was more attention put on to uh, Nafisa. By rights, I had to mm-hmm. because I wanted to. I, 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 she was at a point of losing her life. You know, so some of the things that you do when you see, when you look back, you see that, you know, not only are you affecting one kid or trying to affect one kid, but you still have other kids that you have to affect. Because there were things I was trying to do with Nafisa, like I would um, take her out of town or we'd go here and I would try to really talk to her. And and the other kids thought I was rewarding her for bad behavior when I, I wasn't taking them on trips to San Diego and going up north and stuff with them, you know, so they, um, you know, they understand now, you know, because they're older and their time has come when I, when, when uh, I have a daughter, my daughter now who has two, two young kids that my energy, I have a lot more energy involved with her now because it's her time, you know, but right. little kids don't see that, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old kids don't see that, mm-hmm. you know, so, as you take care of one kid, you still have to remember you got other kids to take care of as well because they may be damaged in another kind of way, ways that you don't even know, mm-hmm. ways, that, ways that you may not even find out until they're 30 years old and they tell you something about how they felt and how they felt they missed out on something. So, Right. Well, I now, want to the, James, I wanna go back to the color. The colors for a moment when you said, Valerie, that you know that you you began to notice there was a lot of red things in in the house. Yeah, yeah. But for the average person, if a child has, let's say, red sneakers, right? That's yeah. that's something that will be missed very easy because it's just red sneakers. I mean, as far as people who are not connected to, you know, that lifestyle. Is it a particular um, way they wear the sneakers that says there's an affiliation? Let me say this, and this is my, my husband. He you uh, for worked for youth at Rick's programs in Los Angeles for Catholic charities. And when he he said he said Valerie he said those shoes those are red shoes those are gang colors. So don't fool yourself into thinking she just likes red. A parent knows when they see them walking around with red belts and red shoes and red caps and red shirts that those are gang colors. They are affiliated. Mm. They are affiliated. Mm. So we can fool ourselves and stick our heads in the sand and say, we know they like red, I like red too, but it's not. If your kid is wearing an over-excessive amount of a color, red in particular or blue in particular, they're either bloods or crips. I mean, we can, you know, look at it some other kind of way, but we could really look at it like what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I, so as if I was... you have a, if you have kids, um, it was, it's not good to really have a, an over amount of red in there. I mean, if they have like a little, you know, little red shirt and and I mean, you know when they have too much of one color. 
you know. Well, as I was looking at the clips, um, that the trailer and the, the interview and, um, you know, listening to the young ladies talk about when when someone asks, why did you get into your parents know that you're part of the gang? And, and the young ladies would say, yeah, you know, um, they try to tell us right, you know, but I'm just going to do what I do. Um did uh, Nafisa have that same sort of attitude in terms of when you realized that she was in gangs and then you were trying to take it to different environments and trying to figure out where what went wrong and how you can help her? Did she come off like, listen, nothing you can do because I'm gonna, just going to be me? Did she have Basically. that same attitude? Yes. Yeah, she did. So there was a very... I'll say a real dark time in our relationship. There would be times that she would be in juvenile hall, and I would um, I would be the first parent in line. I'd be there at 6 o'clock in the morning to see her at 10. I'd be there all morning, and she wouldn't see me. I would try to get special visits, and I, I'd go up there and sit up there for hours, and she wouldn't see me. Um, she was very angry at me because there was times that in regards to her going to even juvenile hall, I w- I had a hand in it. Uh, that I felt it was safer for her there than it was for her to come home. So mm. uh, there was a lot of dark times. She ran away uh, several times, and uh, it was always hard. But it was probably um, the only quiet time. But I would always feel it when she was about ready to. Um, get arrested or something would happen where she would end up in jail. I would always feel I'm about ready to hear something from the FISA. And I would get a 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning call and um, mm. and kind of I would be relieved because I, I know then at, at least while she was in juvenile hall uh, that she was safer there than she was on the streets. Mm. She was uh, um, she was a very well-known a uh, gang member. She held the same weight as some of the men, uh, and so I always was kind of fearful of her every time she stepped out the house. Right, because they deal with the women pretty much the same way they deal with the with the guys, and um, you know, um, I've had the pleasure of meeting your daughter and spending time with her, and. Um, I, I'll say this, and I have said it to her, that she's very intelligent. She um, has a big heart, and uh, she's a stand-up person, you know. Yes. She's not going to fake any anything. She's going to keep, as they say, keep it real. And um, I have to admire that. She does have leadership quality as well. I right. watch the way the young people whom she is now talking with to help them as she is trying to help herself, they respect us. So I could tell when she was at full throttle out there on the West Coast, people were respecting her because she was going to make that happen. She's not going to let nobody disrespect her. And she makes that point. (laughs) Yeah. um, You got right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how did her siblings handle her in 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 these trying moments um they always they always seem to have gotten along 
during those times. Uh, see, gang life is out here is just a part of everyday life. That you go to the school and a lot of your friends are gang members. Uh, a lot of people you associate with are in gangs. Um, I mean, so it's something that you, uh, you you'll you'll know people in gangs anyway. So it's not that's not ooh you know your sister's in a gang you know yeah yeah she's in a gang you know it, it was more like uh, common knowledge you know right. so uh, that's how it is out here. I mean uh, you're either affiliated or you're in a gang, mm. and the ones that aren't. Have to like uh, my son. He would uh, he would uh, dress. He didn't wear red or a lot, but he would wear the, maybe the white t-shirts and the baggy pants. And when he would come through this neighborhood, he would, you know, you couldn't tell him apart from a, being in a gang or not being in a gang. But you have to still uh, be able to fit in. Right. You, know, you I have. Sure. Uh, you got to be able to fit in and look like you can walk through the gangs but not necessarily claim a gang. You know, that's kind of like a hard job, you know, yes. to, to walk down the street and not uh, be intimidated, to show no fear, uh, but still not be a part of a gang. So you have a you have a real, you know, real hard walk uh, mm-hmm. out here. And like my grandson, he was shot at a couple of weeks ago on the 100 Days, 100 Nights. I don't know if you heard about it, but there was a, a hundred day mm-hmm. shooting every day that the Crips were going to kill, I think a blood or something like that, or vice versa. But my grandson was shot at uh, just walking down the street, and you know he could either look like a gang member or not look like a gang member. He's a young black, you know, uh, nice young kid, you know that's not in gangs, but um, mm. you know who would know it. You know, when right. you're black in America, everybody looks like they're in gangs. Absolutely. I mean, for what, the media, for what you that's would think a gang, yeah, yeah, as far as what the media would say, you know, that everybody, so everybody looks like they're gang. Everybody wears the same things, you know. But then you'll, I mean, but gang members kind of know who they are, you know, whether it's the tattoos or the over amount of red or the sagging, little sagging lower of the pants than a regular person, mm-hmm. you know, so... You know, there's you know a real gang member when you see him. That's right. Now, what about the violence level? I mean, you know, that isn't that somewhat alarming for a parent to not, to know every time your child step out the door that they could be engaged in some type of violent act. Yes, it is very scary. And uh, my daughter, when she would be here, because um, she would be here between here and her father's house, I could mm-hmm. not, it was real hard for me to, I would, for lack of a better word, called handle it, handle her. Yeah. Um, she was much better with her father than she was with me. Um, and uh, it was hard for me to control her staying off the phone or, or doing some of the things that she did. Because when, when, when the kids are in a gang mode, when they're in, when they're in that gang life, they really don't have respect for your household. They don't have respect for uh, your lifestyle and how you do things. They want to do things the way they do it. And so um, there'd be time in the FISA, uh, I knew that she was going, getting ready to go up on Manchester and Crenshaw. Uh, she would have her, her clothes on, and uh, she would be heading down onto that corner where 
just the day before someone might have got killed. So you uh, are very worried about your kids, uh, especially when you know they're in a gang, uh, coming back alive. You know, that's that's your whole whole thought. You know, please, you know, let my let my baby live another day. Mm. Mm, I... It was very very. It was very stressful for years. Mm. For years. Well, you know, that's on everybody. Well, you know, I think what we want to do is digest some of this because, you know, uh, it's hard enough to raise a child um, in the urban environment, even in the suburbs, because folks don't realize there are gangs everywhere. And um, you have to be such a protector of your child. I mean, to the degree that you 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 are you're annoying as a father or as a mother right. and even with that that's no safeguard to say that that that, that child is not going to fall victim into that lifestyle so you right. know we just have to pray you know um and and it, it takes a village really as we always say that cliche that saying it takes a village to raise a child it really does it really takes a whole unit of people to work on one child, and and the, and the problem, like you stated earlier, as many of us have come from broken down families, um, and we're not um, surrounded around people who care enough to um, look after the ones coming up, and and that's where we're at today. That's the sad state. But I do know um, when we come back from break, you could tell us a little about your organization and what they are doing um, in in the community and how we can actually help you and and people um, that are in your organization and organizations like yours to really reach our young people and and um, bring them up, bring them bring them up proper. So um, I'm going to ask uh, for everybody just to hold on for a minute. Actually, press that number one on your keypad if you'd like to. Um, Speak directly to Valerie. We've been hoping that um, Nafisa would be able to um, come in on and chime in on the conversation. Yeah. Hopefully she's listening in. And if we go to commercial break, maybe we could reach out to her and see if we can bring her on because I um, know that she, she, like her mother, are both special people. And um, I'm going to make it my my business to be there for, um, for Nafisa you know, to whenever she needs me to give give a little shout out. So let us go to a, a commercial break, and then as we're doing that, let us see if we can find Nafisa and bring her on. Yeah, I'm gonna so, try to call her. All right. Try to call in. Okay. So. Um, the keys 107. We'll be right back. Fashion that bring out the best in you. Go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products. Pink Himalayan sea salt. Women tunic tops. Children's books. Jewelry. Art. And organite. Visit us on the web at moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107.com. 
Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. Consultants and services technology trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com. Com, or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. This is NYBY, and you are tuned into the Keys 107 Network on Blog Talk Radio, opening doors to endless possibilities. Okay, now I think we're back, uh, Brother James. We <laughs> which board is switchboard. We are having yes. a very, I think, heartfelt and emotional conversation with film producer, director, photographer extraordinaire, Miss Valerie Goodlow, who is talking about her experience of being a part of her daughter's life while her life while her daughter lived the gang life. And before we went to commercial break, she was talking about the fears that she has, and I know every parent, every mother, and every sibling that's listening to this show who who has had that type of work experience, who is having that kind of experience, what Valerie is saying. I can only imagine what her evenings, her, her late nights was like waiting for her daughter to call or waiting to get that call that maybe her daughter was harmed in some way. I, I I can't imagine, but Valerie was also saying that one of the things that we have to do as parents and as people living in a home together is to pay attention to the quote-unquote signs. If there is an excessive attraction or display of a particular color, we talked about the color red because it's just public knowledge that the color red identifies a, a gang called Crips. No blood. 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 I'm blood. <laughs> yeah. I was trying like bloods, yes. And then the blue is the crypt. Is that correct? Right. That is Right. Yeah. And I know there's a bunch of other colors. James, you have a lot of experience um in identifying gang things. But then there are other things in, in the life in, in that life that can help a parent identify if their child is going that way. But one of the things one of the things I want to highlight is, um, Valerie, you said that by the time you recognize that that color is in excess, it's already an engagement there. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, is because initially, 
Well, I um, I would say it's I wouldn't say it's it's never too late to save your kid. I mean, you you know, I mean, there hopefully there's it's never too late to save your kid. You, I mean, I'm you know, it's 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 a long process. Um, but when they start wearing colors, when they when 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 it starts affecting um, everyone's life is very, 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 very difficult to stop it. It's very difficult. And uh, I think with parents, we just don't know what to do, and we, and we give up. And um, I was just one, I think because I'm an old parent, <laughs> I didn't give up. You know, I, I have some of that stuff that, you know, the parents gave you from the 50s. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I had that the village, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid and all those things. And I had uh, some principles and values and things that was passed down from my parents, even though they were kind of dysfunctional. They they still passed some stuff down to me that I was able to um, continue to use in my life to try to help uh, change my daughter's direction. Mm-hmm. And I, well, you know, and you know, I think she's she's changed. We're going to talk she's about still that a work change. in progress, but she's she's doing really really well. We're going to talk about that change before we get there in the trailer, or I, I'm not sure if it was the trailer actually, or the clip from the news, the feature of the of the movie, and you in, on the news station. I believe it was in California. One of the young right. ladies that was sitting next to you, or one of the ladies in in the clip said, my mother tried to show me a different way, but there was nothing she could tell me. Is that the sentiment of most of the girls? Yeah, I think um, once they get to that point, I I mean, I think that girls already have a special set of uh, dynamics that only come with girls. Um, You know, they go through a lot of hormonal changes. There's a lot of things that go on with girls, uh, even if they don't uh, get into gangs. You know, they're real susceptible to other things. So uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry, I kind of (laughs) lost. I was asking you um, if that was the sentiment. And and basically when they're they're in that mindset, how how do you change their mind? How do you get them to see that that they do have a choice? Um, we talked about choice earlier in in the broadcast, and you were saying that they make the wrong choice in going that way. But then how do you turn it around to let them know that they do have a choice? Well, I, I think I think we have a couple problems here um, because parents may not see it as a problem. Parents may not see uh, their kids being in gangs as such a bad problem. Maybe their kids are bringing them home TVs. Uh, maybe they're out, uh, you know, you know, bringing in money to 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 help buy food in the house. Maybe they don't see it as a problem until maybe their kid is in jail or maybe their kid is dead. Mm. You know, so the identification of a problem, the parent has to see it. And I think with parents today, the, the parents are young. Uh, a lot of them are have are, are still in the gang life or haven't been affiliated with the gang life, so their kids being in it is just an extension. They don't see it. They don't see it all the way as being wrong. They don't see 
their kid having a problem. Mm. You know, they don't see it. I mean, you know, you're in a whole uh, uh, society now of, of everybody does everything, you know. You know, so they don't even see it as a problem. It's okay. Let I, me ask. I, 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 there's a, there was a girl in the film. I don't know if she was in the clip that you guys had. Um, and she's uh, she, she's a family of 17 kids. Mm. And um, she was in a gang, and her mother knew she was in a gang because she was in a, her 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 her, fa- her husband was in a gang, her kids was in a gang, so everybody was just in a gang. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just Rational. wasn't it wasn't anything but a, yeah, a, a generational or a cultural thing. You, I, I've got, I went to a funeral, and um, it was a it was a blood funeral. And they had their little blood kids with wearing the red and the red shoes and the red hats and the red shirts. And uh, they were listening to this rap music that was real heavy, heavy. It was real underground rap. And there was a little boy standing up there, and he was, like, bouncing to the music. He could have been maybe three, but he was holding up the gang, the B, the, you know, the, the, the gang sign, and he was rocking to the music, and he was throwing up the sign as he was dancing. And it's just okay. You go into you go into the parks and you know they have like blood day where where they have the big picnics and they bring their kids with the colors. So I mean the parents don't even recognize that there's a problem. Mm. So if you don't if you don't change the culture of the inside of that house, how are you going to change the culture of those kids? Mm. Mm. You know, your kid may want to go to college. They may want to go to college, but when they go home. Everybody in there is, is 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 a gang member. So so how how is that how is that program on the outside going to stick? If you don't, if there's not some kind of way you can get into that home and let them know that they have to change what's going on in their environment if they want to have successful kids. So Valerie, we we wanted to leave our listeners with somewhat of a list. And maybe the list is not final, but just some definite indications before we go into talking about the whole community, um, your organization, and and how it differs from other organizations. But just let our listeners tune into or key into some signs that we talked about the colors. You you said that it definitely starts in the home. What are some other things Uh, that we have to pay attention to? Uh, dropping grades, um, mm. no interest in uh, in any family activities, um, mm. secret conversations on the phone, you know, um, Facebook pages and stuff that you're not allowed to look at. Mm. Their attitude, how they how they talk to you, are they talking to you in a in a form or fashion of a of a gangster? I mean they're pretty they're pretty telling signs. If your kid is in a gang, I mean if you have your head up, you'll see it. You'll see them when they walk in the door. I mean you'll smell the weed. You know I mean you know they drink. Uh, they they're smoking. Um, they're um, may have a weapon. You may find a knife. Uh, you may even find a gun. Uh, they. Um, don't come if they if you're picking them up from school and they don't come out the same door as everybody else does. 
Mm. You know, if they're wearing maybe the braids, you know, or just braids, all the, you know, the girls are wearing the braids and the boys are wearing, you know, just the, the sagging of the pants. You know, and if you see your girl that maybe used to be a femininely dressed girl that maybe all of a sudden changes her her dress to be more gangster, have a more gangster or male appearance. Those are those are those are the things that I saw. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many that was. <laughs> well, that's, that's a lot of them. I mean, I would like to say that also. Sometimes the tattoos are telling, you know. Oh yeah, the um, tat- that, yeah. The tat- In fact, my daughter, um, she didn't have a gang tattoo. She had, and I didn't even know she had a tattoo. But something happened, and I lifted up her shirt some kind of way because I saw something. It was my name that she had tattooed on her arm, and I tried to uh, get that tattoo removed, but I couldn't. And uh, yeah, the gang tattoos. I mean, you'll, I mean, the tattoos, the neck, on the neck, on the mm-hmm. leg. The face. Face, the teardrops. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to signify something, you yeah. know. Well, the other thing, I, it, when I'm dealing in the streets, you know, if, if, we're, if they're not wearing red or blue or uh, white and gold and, you know, different other colors, they can be in T-shirts, but what, it, what, what you listen White T-shirts. Your right. white T-shirt. You have to listen for the language, you right. know, uh, the, the, the verbal language and the written language, especially in schools. You'll see that um, a blood is not going to uh, really use um, uh, anything that sounds like a cuh. K, you know, C's <laughs> and A's are not going to come out their mouth too often, you know. Unless it's is... like Crip Killer or something like that. And that's, right, oh, that's exactly. another thing. I would look in her cell phone, uh, Nafisa's cell phone, and everything was, uh, there was a lot of KK's in there. And I said, KK, KK. I said, what is that? And KK stood for Crip Killer. Now, I mm-hmm. don't know if they actually killed Crips or they was Crip Killer, but, I mean, if they got a name like Shooter, or you hear somebody calling them Mad Dog, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or some sort of um, dangerous name is probably because they're a gang member, you know. I mean, or they're affiliated, uh, you know. So they have they have their handles. They got, you know, they got they all got they got names, you know. And like you said, even even uh, writing, like they might have a notebook and they might write BPS on it for. Black Peace Stones or, or Ingle, you know, Inglewood families. You, I mean, you would, you know, you might write that on your notebook, you know. Right. There, there's, there's, you know, like writing it down, carving it into the desk. Mm-hmm. You know? So graffiti as well, you know, signs yeah, of that. You know, right. They graffiti on their clothes. They graffiti anything that is not moving, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of t- uh, telling signs. And um, once we, we see the signs, what should the community and members in the community do to to help to change this whole thing? You know, um, how could they help your organization and or help come together wherever they find um, this problem and help change it? What, what do you suggest in that way? Let's let's, well, let's um, the- say the name, um, Valerie, let's say the name of the organization, what the acronym stands for. Okay. 
Uh, well, we our our program is called Women in Need of Discovering Own Worth. Uh, the initials are Window, uh, and what we what we're trying to do is uh, first is implement it's called the Win Life Plan to specifically address and enhance mother daughter relationships as a path to improving life for at risk girls. Um, what we have in this particular program is uh, a 16 session program uh, that follows a a weekend retreat where the mother and the mother and the daughter uh, make a commitment to uh, work their program that will coincide with each other, where each one will be given tasks and things to do to change the inside of the home and the in in their and and how they approach things. Uh, one of the things, even uh, for the mothers and the parents, is uh, being able to clean house. Um, getting rid of all gang paraphernalia, not allowing it into your house, making sure that when your kids bring their friends over, you know who their friends are, you meet their parents, uh, you get uh, their addresses of where they're going when they leave the house, uh, you, t- you get phone numbers. Uh, you have to start being real proactive uh, when it comes to wanting to change the direction of your kids. And these things are hard to do, especially if you haven't done them. And uh, that's one of the things that we want to do with this program is uh, we, you know, we have a whole program that will be designed to take care of everything to make sure that uh, the mother and the daughter work a successful program. It's real detailed, but uh, our goal is to have women and girls become whole. That's the goal mm. of the program. Uh, and one of the things, too, that we, we have been doing uh, because we want, with the Win Life Plan, we haven't really started that program yet. We're looking for a organization that wants to pilot it. Uh, we're not a program that really has direct services, but we want to be able to bring programs into programs that are direct, that do have direct services and wraparound services. So the women and the girls will have a whole program to be able to um, be applied wherever they are. You know, we don't want to just have a place in Los Angeles. Uh, for maybe 30 or 40 girls, but we want to take a model across the country and be able to train that program to utilize the Win Life Plan. Uh, That's what we're working on now. We're trying to get that started. Hopefully in Hempstead, um, maybe this, uh, hopefully in in the spring, as we would like to start a pilot program there. Uh, Another thing that we want to do is do films, PSAs, and documentaries to deal directly with women and girl issues. Uh, one of the big things here in California is sex trafficking. And uh, we had already started uh, some pre-production on a film called Never to be Made Whole about girls uh, in the life. Um, and not so much really about the girls in the life, but uh, why isn't uh, the John, who's called a John, that's a good name, why isn't he called something else? He's allowed mm-hmm. to... Uh, prey on somebody's daughter when he probably has daughters of his own. Why is he? Why is he given the name Trick? As if he's the one who's being tricked into having sex with underage girls. So um, we're we're trying to you know to get funding to uh, do that you know to to, to do another film. Uh, you know we also uh, you know take girls on retreats. Uh, we have a place out here called Camp Giddy Up where we take girls just for a weekend of horseback riding and having fun and just doing something that they've never done before where they can really act like uh, little girls instead of, you know, having to 
uh, put on the front of being grown women when they're not. You know, so that we there's a lot of things that we that we hope to do in the future, and we're really just getting started uh, right now in the hopes of uh, doing some big things in this year coming up, 2016. Well, I would say um, I'm definitely going to be um, uh, a supporter of yours and whatever we can do to help you further your cause, which is our cause to save our children. We're going to work hard to make sure that you come into the Hempstead area. I think it's absolutely needed. And I want to share with you uh, from um, from the um, Facebook page, one of your friends has just said, that he is enjoying the program, the great questions, the great answers. He says to keep up the good works, for they are helping the parents and their children everywhere by sharing the journey of saving one's daughter from gang life. And that comes from our brother Abu Ashak Abdul Hafiz. Oh, I know. Oh, that's my brother out here. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So we, we thanked him. I told him that we would mention it on air. Uh, but, you know, that's what you need to keep encouraging you and um, your daughter, whom we haven't had a chance to talk with. Um, yeah. The audience need to know. And I, like I said, I had the pleasure to have met her and have, you know, seen her in action. And she is doing quite well, listening audience. She is actually mentoring people and teaching them. Um, you know, uh, young people, young teenage uh, high school students who who could fall victim, or maybe some of them have already have, but she is trying to show them the right way. And she's out right. here in Long Island, New York, right now, doing her thing, and I'm very proud of her. Uh, she is studying to, you know, protect, uh, to, uh, to improve her craft in terms of how she deals with people, and it's just a wonderful thing to see the trends information taking place right. in her life and she's making a difference in other people's lives as well. Yeah, she came and, and here for the holidays. We were able to uh bring her uh, bring her to Los Angeles. Her and uh, my son came and we had a great time and it was uh you know, and we're hoping, like I said, uh to be able to share our, our program that we have and also even share the film. You know, we uh we've gone all over the country with the film. And one of the things that really brought brought us into this program is that every time we would show the film, we would see these mothers and we'd see these daughters so excited about something happening for them in the same way it happened for me and my daughter. Because um, mm. mothers, in the end, don't want their kids to be in gangs. They don't want their kids uh, killed. They don't want them having a life. That's that's not a good life. I mean, I don't think any of us start out to be like that. Um, that's right. But we didn't really have, even though we had started the a window pro, you know, window. We never really had a program that would address the issues that would help change the direction, not just for the girls, but for their mothers as well. Mm. If you don't change the direction of the of the house. What's going to happen? With, what can happen with the girls in a program may get lost if she's going back to that same situation. So what we want to do is hopefully be able to uh, take the the, the 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 film on tour uh, and along with the program, and uh, hopefully 
any any full service program that has access to a, a room and being able to um, to to take this program and apply it uh, can maybe uh, one community at a time one community at a time change the direction of girls and women all across the country. So that's mm. what our hopes are: is that we'll be able to uh, not if you know if you can't save uh, ten, you might be able to save one. So. Again, yes. we're trying to start a pilot program, hopefully with maybe just 10 girls and 10 mothers to start and make sure that it's working right and knock all the kinks out of it. So, um, you know, by the beginning of next year, we'll have a program that we'll be able to take into the juvenile halls as a mandatory program for mothers and daughters. You know, that's our hopes is that we're able to uh, start the program for girls that are incarcerated, getting ready to come home, uh, and have this change happen before they get there. Wow, that's beautiful. That means you have a curriculum already. Yeah, we have set a up. curriculum. Yeah, we have a curriculum that we uh, that we that the whole family put together. Uh, in fact, uh, it's we think it's done very very well. We uh, uh, have um, uh, some noted psychologists, psychiatrists, and doctors that have looked over the program, and they feel it's a very comprehensive very well put together program and it wasn't put together uh with rocket scientists and uh, doctors lawyers and indian chiefs it was put together with uh, uh a mother a husband and her children you know and we all put this program together and we uh talked to the make sure that we had the professional touch to it so it's a very well put together program uh, we addressed like in our program where one of the things that we need to address when we talk about these uh, talk about these uh, families is post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, how many of our kids um, may need to have that address? How many of our kids are not sleeping and, and, and not able to complete homework because four or five of their kids, their, their friends have been killed? And we have right. no idea that they're suffering from things that they're suffering from. So one of the mm-hmm. things that our program does, it doesn't just address the regular issues that families have, we want to get down to the real issues that, that, that disrupt the family. And if we can get to those issues and change those conditions and change those paths and change those habits, then we've really done uh, what Window really can do. And that's what our mission is, to really change uh, the inside, change it from the inside out. We have to change it from the inside out. There's a There's a Muslim saying that, uh, there's a morsel of flesh in each and every one of us. When it's sick, the whole body is sick. Beware mm-hmm. of the heart. If you don't change your heart, if you don't change your condition, you know you won't be able to change your condition. And one, and I, and I'm talking at the end. But one of the things that uh, I was talking about too uh, to my husband the other day that we were talking about character. Uh, these things can only be accomplished with a change of character. These things mm-hmm. can only be accomplished with a change of uh, becoming honest, becoming punctual, becoming uh, dependable, becoming uh, motivated, uh, becoming uh, uh, spiritual. All these things have to come about in order for change to happen. And these are the things that our program will address. It will address each one of these things to make sure that this parent and this youth knows that if you want to get on this path, these are the things that you have to walk across. You have to walk this path and you have to walk on these things if you want your life to change. So, Valerie, how are how are mothers and daughters coming to the Windows program? Are they coming 
as a um, a mandate from court, or are they coming from a church? Where where are they coming from to come well, into see, your right program? Now, right now, we like we said, what we want to do is we're we want to start a pilot program. Uh, we are seeking funding now uh, in Hempstead, hopefully to start a program. We hope in maybe April of this year. Um, and right now, it, because we need to have a model. So we want to have volunteers and people who, uh, I mean, we want to be able to get a set of mothers and daughters that we think that would work really well into the program and to get all, knock all the kinks out of it. If we need to add something, add it. If we need to change it, change it. And hopefully be ready to offer it to the nation um, after the first 16-week pro, uh, uh, pilot. That's what we hope, and hopefully by the beginning of next year we'll be able to introduce it into the juvenile justice system, okay. where that it will be mandated by a parent. If you want you if you want your daughter to be successful, then you have you have to go to this program. You have to go to this program. You you know you guys have both got off track here. Let's get you on track. You know, and I think that sometimes we have to be made to we have to be taken to the well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to be taken there. You know, sometimes we think that we uh, don't have to be taken somewhere, that if uh, the only way we can it work is if we want it. I got clean 35 years, it would be 35 years this year. I quit drinking and using in November 14, 1981. And when I first went to that program, I went because I thought I had to go to that program. But, you know, it turned, it changed for me. And I I started going because I wanted to go to that program. And when I was there, I was telling somebody one day about all the things that that I was going through in my life and all the bad luck and all the things that were wrong. And so this guy told me, he said, baby, you don't have to live like that no more if you don't want to. But up until that time, I thought everything I did, I had to go through it. Mm -hmm. I did not know that I had choice. Right. I did not know that I had a choice in the matter. And that's well, Valerie, what's wrong now. These youth don't believe they have a choice. They don't even know about choice. That's exactly what I was going to say. I This is a good place for us to, to um, leave it because we're not closing. Okay. We're not stopping. You, are, you have a home here on the Keys 107 Network, and we invite you that any time you're having a, a, a showing or you get that uh, situation you get the green light for Hempstead. If you come back on the keys and let us know, feel free to post in the Keys 107 group on Facebook. You are a member. It's your group. It's your family okay. there. Um, we will let you know anytime somebody contacts us through suggestions at the Keys 107 network.com. You feel free to email us. Any questions of Valerie's information will be coming in a moment on how you can get directly in contact with her. But we are at the hour that it's time to wrap up. So this is a good time, Valerie, to give us okay. your contact information. Okay. And if anybody uh, wants to uh, have us come out and talk to your girls and tell your community, you know, we're available. Especially women's groups, women's groups. Right. That they, this is a great film. An eye opener, uh, Valerie. The list you gave okay. us, uh-huh. the list you gave us, are, are kind of kind of what you were saying is that these are things that 
we see all the time, but either our heads are in the sand, or we're so we're so right. disconnected because we're running for whatever reasons, working, uh, school, whatever right. our reasons are, but we are just not tuned in to the dropping of the grades, the lack of interest in the family activities, the secret conversations. You know, when children have to go into the room and close the door, that that you know why attitudes, the behavior, the the, the right, body right. language, the substance. If the child, you smell liquor on their breath. You know, if you notice their right. their eyes are red, are they smoking? What are they doing? And net weapons and knives. And that means that you know with these signs that Valerie gave us, we have to now look in our children's pockets. We have to open that door, go through right. their room. I mean, we've got to be engaged. Interactive and we can't quote, be afraid. Unquote, we cannot be afraid. We cannot no be afraid. Right. No we cannot fear. be afraid. Fear God. If you're gonna mm. fear something, fear God. Yes. That's you know, right. you have to get to a point that you do not fear no man That's or no right. woman. You and know, you were and, talking and, about and, braids yeah. earlier, Valerie. You were talking about girls uh-huh. wearing braids. And I think we need to make a distinction that we're not talking about the cornrows. The fashion braids, right? You're talking about the yeah. corn roll. But, but let, let me say this. Let me say this too, and 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 just to be fair with braids, you know, that's not a necessarily uh, a big sign. But if your kid is wearing two little ponytails all of a sudden and they're wearing corn rolls, then you might take note. You know what I mean? If 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 if, if your if your kid is um, uh, uh, used to wearing like one thing, all of a sudden their whole wardrobe changes. Just take note. Because it's not take really note. one, there's no one thing that right. you really just determine that your kids is in gangs. But you'll know it. You'll feel it. You know You know when something ain't right with your kids. You a mama. Mm-hmm. Mothers yeah. know. Mothers know when their daughters is pregnant. Mothers know when their kids is having sex. Mothers <laughs> know everything. Mothers know when they bringing something in the house they ain't supposed to. Mothers know this. But mothers have to start Standing up, and 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 it's been hard for us to stand up because we've never been taught how to stand up. So that's mm. what we hope with Window and the Wind Life Plan to do is help us stand up as women, as mothers, and be able to help us change the face. You know, I was and one more thing, we always talk about, and I know we talk about the boys and they're and and, and they're being killed more and more. But I looked online one day, and there was 13 girls that were killed by police the same in the same fashion as boys, but you don't hear mm. about it. So so as we, you know, as we kind of like close our eyes to the girls and think, well, girls is, are, are, are not in danger, we are. We are in danger. We're in danger of a whole lot of things that, that aren't really on the top surface. Our girls are doing things that and having things happen to them that they don't tell. They do not say. They will never be made whole unless they're able to get this stuff out and change their direction. Uh, we have uh, so. several people that have joined us in the uh, Blog Talk Radio chat room um, and also the Facebook chat room. In, in, in um, my my chat room is now active. But uh, yes, we thank you so much for your time. But we're getting ready to close out, and I'm putting Valerie uh, her name in in the chat room. So connect with her on Facebook, and the name of her organization is Window. Is it with an S, Valerie, or just window? No, it's window. Just when, window. Window is a, yeah, when the women in need of discovering own worth. 
Okay, and please reach out to Valerie, and you're like I said, you're welcome to come back. I am Rafika, and as my co-host for the James is here, thank you, Keys family, for tuning in to another live broadcast. You can connect with us on suggestion at the Keys 107 networkcom You can inbox us on Facebook. You can join our Facebook group. Feel free to tell a friend. We have a live active group in Facebook. We also have a Facebook page called the Keys. Uh, check out our website at www.thekeys107network.com. And as promised... Well, I'd just like to say as we leave off, let us all try to save our girls. Let's go yes. as Valerie girls, you know, because a uh, nation doesn't rise no higher than its woman. And, you That's know, right. it takes a whole village for us to raise one child. So with that, we want to give our sincere, heartfelt, um, uh, you know, encouragement to you and your daughter and to all the families that may be suffering through the gang life, you know, uh, situation going on in our community. Great night. All right. Family. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Peace. Love. Every time I'm I feel fire burning in my soul It's like music when I hear you Darling, your love is all I know You are truly so amazing Such a blessing in my life I don't know what I'd do without you Your love shines so bright Oh,
You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. 